National Baseball Hall of Fame conference call with newly elected Hall of Famer Larry Walker. Thanks, John. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, I guess, first of all, thank you all that are on this call. And for those of you that uh, either voted for me or didn't vote for me, it's uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm appreciative of, of it all. And, uh, and I'm grateful for, uh, for the opportunity. And, and uh, a huge congrats to, to Derek, obviously, for his uh, the nomination and Ted and Marvin as well. And, uh, you know, looking, looking forward to the next uh, few days of, of uh, <laughs> what's kind of be a life-changing moment. Now we will have about 15 minutes for questions from the call participants. First question comes from the line of Ronald Bloom with the Associated Press. We did four or five hours before the vote. You didn't expect to make it. And uh, what led you to do that? And given uh, your mindset, uh, what happened when Jack and or Jane called you? What did you say? Well, the, the tweet was kind of me just being open. I'm not a big social media person. I, I have been following a lot. On, on Twitter with uh, the accounts that uh, uh, Ryan Thibodeau, I believe, has. And so he kind of keeps a lot of us uh, up to date on how it's going. So I, I, I was religiously following along with that. And, you know, what? I just wanted to give my honest thoughts. And then that's how I felt. I, I said it to other people and, and stuff, and I just wanted to share it because people, you know, keep asking me, what do you think? What do you think? So I kind of just wanted to put it out there on, on honestly how I felt uh, from past election elections and how it ended up uh, the last hundred or so ballots uh, with the private ballots and all and the percentages that were lost and and where I was at that moment you know at that moment it took me down to about a 73.3 is what I calculated in my head so and that was just how I felt and uh, and just shared that with all honesty and, and so and, and then the then the call comes I was literally 90 seconds from probably saying okay because I, I had it you know when they're going to call a roundabout time and, and that time had come and gone. And, uh, it was a you know, few minutes after that, when the call actually came, uh, as close as I was to just say, okay, let's just go watch the, the rest of the induction stuff on TV. Uh, and then that number popped up on the phone and, you know, I, I think I uttered the words, Oh shit. <laughs> um, and just went, oh, then maybe an, Oh my God. And Oh, you know, whatever it was before I actually, uh, answered the phone and said hello and and then just to, to hear them ask uh, if they could speak to Larry Walker and and um yeah when like I say the rest was just like in almost in, in disbelief to hear him say that uh, you didn't come up short this year you you passed the 75 percent threshold and welcome to the Hall of Fame pretty amazing was it was it Jack Jane or both uh, they, they all came on uh different times uh, uh Jack was uh, the first one to call and then Jane came on after that. I'm hoping I get that right. I was so just lost in the moment when the phone rang. So I hope I'm not screwing up the names and who called and who I talked to. It was a surreal moment. Derek Gould with the St. Louis Press Dispatch. I wonder what it meant to, to finish your career with the Cardinals and having the October experiences that you did. And then my other question is, you just used the word religiously for how you watched the voting. How much uh, agon how agonizing was that for nine years? To, to watch well the first part you know finishing with the st louis cardinals you know i don't um i'm not a baseball historian but when you you talk about organizations you know you usually talk about the you know the yankees the dodgers the cubs the cardinals you know it's just those just iconic organizations that people know about around the world uh, a uniform that is recognizable around the world 
And, uh, you know, I'll never forget that first day walking in the clubhouse and putting that white birds on the bat uniform on over my head and uh, uh, a very incredible moment to, to have such a special uniform on in such an amazing organization. So, you know, it was a, a great way to go out. Uh, unfortunately, I'm uh, not, not involved with World Series championships, but playoffs and a World Series appearance was, you know, was quite gratifying. Um, the other part, I, I guess, religiously watching is, you know, this year had a chance. The other years didn't. I didn't watch it like what happened this year. These last two weeks, uh, three weeks watching that, the, the, the tracker and, and seeing what was going on and watching people's boats come in and just sitting there looking at it and watching the number stay around 85, uh, past 200 boats. And, you know, it, it, it obviously got me interested because there was a chance uh, in past years that never existed. So uh, it, I, even though last year I still had a, I had a blast following along and, and was so joyful to see it up around 65 and then end up around 54. It was, it was incredible. And honestly, if, if this year's would have come a little short, I'd probably be saying the same thing, just how incredible uh, that uh, that many people think I was good enough to, to come this close. And, you know, and, and, but fortunately I'm saying enough people thought I was good enough and I, I didn't come that close. I, I, I made the last hurdle. Tom Harding with MLB.com. You've talked about the iconic St. Louis Cardinals, birds on the bat uniform, all the history there. Not much with the Rockies. What does it mean to you to kind of break through the first guy who has ever played a single game with his franchise to be in the Hall of Fame? And and do you feel it sort of validates the franchise because of all the talk about course field and the course field effect? Yeah, no, like I say, I've, 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 I've talked about it uh, when the question's asked, and uh, I, I think it's definitely a big help, especially uh, in the here and now with the Todd Helton uh, Hall of Fame and and down the roads with maybe uh, an Aaron, Nolan Arenado, uh, you know, guys that spend a, a bulk of their time there. It's uh, yeah, Thomas, as you as you know, you write about it, and and we talk about it. And it's uh, you're on this side of the fence with it, or you're on that side of the fence. And there's a lot of people that are for it and can and can justify it, and there's others that just won't even sniff it. And and, and that's fine. I, and, and I've said that all along, every year, uh, forever. I'm just I'm, I'm good with people that are maybe. Uh, against it because they feel uh, the advantages you get, I guess. But uh, I, I think in the long run, it's it's a Major League Baseball team. It's a, it's a franchise just like every other one. You go out there, you, you battle with the rest of your teammates to try to beat the other guys across the, the way. And, and I've never looked at it past that. So uh, to, to answer these questions is... It's a it's a fine line of, of right and wrong and good and bad and, and fair and not fair or Whatever the right wording is, I don't even know. You know, I've been, it's a, it's such a, a weird subject to talk about because I think you can really go, I guess, to other Hall of Famers or, or players or, or whatever it is that played in other ballparks that affected their goods and their bads, and uh, it's, it's just a conversation that really could probably never end. It'd go on and on when you're bringing up players and their home and road splits. So, but uh, like I say, I, I did really, really well there. And I'm grateful I did really, really well there because it probably helped get into where I'm at right now. Mine is Susan Plusser, San Francisco Chronicle. As someone who's had to wait your entire eligibility period for this honor, what's your view of some of the other guys who've had to wait for a long time, particularly somebody that you, you saw an awful lot of over the years uh, in Barry Bonds and some of the other guys who, when 
you know, rightly or wrongly, wrongly kind of tired with the whole steroid thing. Like I say, another one of those subjects that we can go on and on about and who's right, who's wrong, and what side do you want to take. Um, you know, obviously what Barry and Roger have done in the game is pretty incredible, the numbers they have and the successes they've had. Um, I, I don't think I know enough about everything they've done or haven't done as far as when you talk about the steroid stuff. I'm, I, I don't... Uh, I don't watch much about it. I don't read anything about it. It's just uh, um, something I just don't delve into. So I, I guess in a way, it's uh, that's that's why you guys um, are voting on it, and it's up to you guys to decide that. You know, I'm, uh, I'd like to call them all friends. Uh, we're all part of a big fraternity, and, and I and I really wish the best for everybody, uh, no matter what their situation is. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here in the next couple of years with with Barry and with Roger and. Uh, you know, and, and that's obviously going to be up to, to you guys, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully, I answered that. Great. Okay. Thanks so much. Yeah, you did. Congrats again. Thank you. Mine is Fred Dale with uh, Canadian Press. You know, the last few times we talked about this, you were taking this in stride, saying, you know, I don't have any control over it. Were you a bit more nervous today, knowing that you were so close, but yet so far? I, I don't know if I'd be lying if I said I wasn't that nervous, because there really was times today where... Um, it didn't, I, I didn't feel much, you know, I just kind of went about my day. Uh, I, you know, I did some, I did some stuff out in the yard, did some work outside and, um, and, and that was it. I, I just, it, I, it was a, it was a pretty normal day for me just hanging out, uh, you know, other than I got my brother and my best friend here, um, hanging out with me. And uh, other than that, it was, I woke up and uh, the only thing I didn't do today was work out. I didn't get up and, and, and do any kind of exercise. I've been doing that every day. Today it didn't happen. But, uh, yeah, no, nothing nothing out of the ordinary until probably around 4 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, that's when some other friends and people started arriving over at the house, and then it kind of started to get real after that. How many people you had there? Uh, just about 15, 15, 17, somewhere in there. They were about... 50 people in a, in a restaurant here in Laval uh, waiting, uh, watching the show live and, uh, and rooting for you. So uh, uh, Montreal is pretty happy about this election day today. I'm extremely excited. I've heard about a lot of little gatherings that were taking place uh, in different places around Canada and the U.S. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing videos that eventually pop up online of people celebrating uh, celebrating this for, for the for, for their team or for the, the organization, for me or for the country. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you, you've been tagged up uh, a lot on social media uh, as of yet. So congratulations again. See you in Cooperstown. Ty Davity with uh, Sportsnet. I was wondering if you've had a chance to reflect maybe on how how easily your career might have taken a different turn if you made the Regina Pats those two times earlier in your life. And, um, you know, now that you, you know, you're, you've gotten this crowning achievement on your moment, I'm, I'm wondering how you feel about... Uh, you know, the path that ended up leading you to baseball as opposed to taking you down the hockey road? Well, like I say, I think uh, I would probably be missing a few more teeth is one thing. Um, and I I don't know if the success would have been there in hockey as as it turned out in baseball. So there's a probably a, a better chance that I would be maybe back home in, in Maple Ridge doing some kind of a job there, and, and this conversation would never be happening, honestly. It just... Uh, it was a decision I made pulling into a town in in, in, uh, in British Columbia and deciding I just didn't want to do it no more. You know, and, and I don't know how a, I think I was 16 years old at the time makes that decision, but it was a decision I made, and and then baseball kind of found me, and and away it went. So 
just a couple of lucky nose and uh, some some good eyes that were watching me uh, at the right time and and uh, and then got the, the chance to, to play and, and the Montreal Expo signed me and I got that chance and, and I just kind of rolled with it. At that point in time, the pathway for a Canadian to the majors wasn't as established as, as it was right now. I mean, did you have a sense of what the odds that you were facing were at that point? I had no idea. I, I, as I signed that contract and drove down to Florida to go to spring training and, and play baseball, I, I never knew um, really <laughs> the rules of the game or much about the game, the history of the game. You know, I, I, I'm a hockey player. If you grow up in Canada, you're born into hockey, and that's what's in your it's in your blood and veins. And just, it's uh, so baseball was something I had to learn along the ways. And uh, you know, once I figured it all out and learned how to play and got better and, and became more successful, then the road became a little bit clearer of what the possibilities were if I was to be able to be successful. Tracy Rigglesby. Hey, well, you talk to the hurdle, you know, with, with different conversations that people have had about injuries or whatever. He said one of the things that he remembers is he got to throw you batting practice every day in the cage, and you won a batting title with one and a half arms. Which batting title was that? And he said throughout the thing, there were days you couldn't move your arm in directions, and you would come up with new ways to hit. you remember that? I do. <laughs> I remember wearing that godforsaken thing on my elbow that uh, would stop it from extending out to uh, to cause the pain. But it was, yeah, it was you know, a lot of a lot of guessing went on that year as far as pitches, you know, because I, I, I could cheat on some pitches that maybe I thought were coming and I'd get to them a lot easier. And then others was just living with the fact that a base hit is going to, is all I can do right now. So there was a lot of a lot of hits to left field, I believe, and and and, and being able to just stop at first base because that uh, it was more of a singles type year, and instead of having the power. Which one of your batting titles was that? Was that the third one then? Or? Don't quote me. I, well, I guess you can't quote me because I'm saying it. But I think yeah. 99. <laughs> does that sound right? I don't even know if I won a yeah. batting title in 99, but I think yeah, that might 90, have been it. Yeah, you won one in 98, 99, and 2001. Possibly that one, Trace. I don't. Yeah, I don't recall. I'm at that number where I'm having trouble remembering last week, so it's getting getting to that time. Yeah, well, you got a few years before you forget last month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kyle Glaser with Baseball America. You coming out to Utica in your first pro season, you really struggled. Uh, you came back the next year in 1986 and uh, were kind of a different hitter. What changed for you that first pro season uh, into your second pro season in the minors? Wow. Yeah, that's going way back there. And <laughs> to go off the last question where I'm saying forgetting stuff, but, you know, I, I'll remember that year because I know how bad I was, and I think the Expos knew how bad I was too. You know, that, that year I got sent to a co-op team with five other organizations, and the following year I got sent to a co-op team as well. So... Uh, I was so raw at the game and was still learning uh, so much on, on how to hit, how to field, how to throw, base run, you name it, and just the rules of the game. Um, but to, to come back after that year, uh, my next year in Burlington, you know, I, gosh, if I, I, I don't know if I've been asked that question to, to that extent, but it's, it's, I think maybe moving to the outfield uh, possibly had something to do with that. Uh, I believe J.R. Minor, who was the coach in Burlington at the time, was the one that kind of spearheaded that and just said my you know, my arm was too strong for me to be in the in the infield. I think I was playing third base at the time. So out to the outfield I went, and I just, you know, you feel a lot 
less stress, I guess, out in the outfield. Uh, uh, you're not involved in, you know, almost every play. You, you know, there's there's a lot going on out there, but it's not to the extent where you're 90 feet, uh, 110 feet away from guys hitting rockets at you. So it, 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 I think that kind of, in a roundabout way, helped my hitting. And then just, you know, the, the, the biggest thing for my whole career is that thing between your ears and uh, mentally, I was able to beat the game at a at a young age, and and I carried that with me. And that's uh, for me, that was the my biggest strength through my career was mentally beating the game, even when I was injured, and having to come back from some of the damn injuries. It was, uh, you know, the, the worst thing is getting injuries and doing rehab. I, I was so tired of doing rehab by the time I retired. It was, uh, it was I was calling uncle on that. So just the, the the mental part of the game, even at the that stage, was big in my career. 